Body Found, an intimate conversation about sex, love, health, and relationships. We are your hosts, Regina and Josephine. Today marks the beginning of our virginity series where we'll explore what it truly means to be a virgin. The different experiences of virginity, namely our different experiences of virginity and our first, and the impacts of our conceptions of virginity. So it might be helpful to first start out with a definition of virginity. So Josephine, do tell me, what mm-hmm. is virginity? Yeah, there's some classic ideas um, surrounding what a virgin or virginity is. Um, and, you know, the dictionary um, gives three very basic definitions of virginity. Um, the first one I found was the appearance, the appearance of virtue or integrity, innocence, inexperience, also with adjective indicating a sphere of activity. Hmm. Um, then the state or condition of a virgin or chaste woman, chastity, as a natural or normal condition of an unmarried woman, maidenhood. And then lastly, the OED gives the following as a definition. The condition of being or remaining in a state of chastity, abstinence from or avoidance of all sexual relations, bodily chastity as a virtue of great commendation or as conferring a special merit or sanctity, the mode of life characterized by this, especially as adopted from religious motives. More simply put, a virgin is someone who's never had sex. Um, But people define sex and losing virginity in many different ways. So what does it mean to be a virgin? Well, I guess, again, to go back to that long-standing classical definition of a virgin, it's a naive, innocent, or inexperienced person or someone, man or woman, who has remained chaste, avoided sexual activity. Now, again, that's the sort of classical definition of a virgin. Yeah. So, you know, by those definitions, a virgin is someone who's never had sex. But it's not that simple because sex means different things to different people. So virginity can mean different things, too. A lot of people think that having penis and vagina sex for the first time is how you lose your virginity. But the, but this leaves a lot of people and other types of sex, so sexual practices out of the picture. Yeah, you know, for example, I had a really good friend growing up and he was in a long-term relationship with this girl. So they were both very devout Christians. Actually, I think she was Catholic. But regardless, they were very religious and he had been in a handful of long-term relationships and so he had a bit of sexual experience, at least more than his girlfriend had. And I was quite close with this guy, so he'd always, you know, we'd have heart-to-hearts and he'd tell me how um, his girlfriend was a virgin and she wanted to remain a virgin until they got married. So being the gentleman that he was, he didn't want to take her V-card. And um, so 
he confided in me saying actually quite proudly that you know he was so good about this and they managed to do this and they only had anal and oral sex and never penis and vagina sex so that way his girlfriend could remain a virgin uh, yeah and and for me hearing this this story just baffles me i think um and it actually brings to mind that little youtube video that you showed me of the song or the satirical song called The Loophole by Garfunkel and Oates. Oh, um, yes. If you guys haven't seen it, please do. It's called The Loophole by Garfunkel and Oates, O-A-T-E-S. Yeah, and I, I thought I'd share some of the lyrics um, here. It's quite lengthy, but let's give it a shot here. Um, so it goes, well, there's a loophole in the scripture that works really well. So I can get him off without going to hell. It's my Hail Mary full of grace. In Jesus' name, we go to fifth base. Oh, thank you for making me holy. And thank you for giving me holes to choose from. And since I'm not a godless whore, he'll have to come in the back, come in the back door. Therefore, fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. The good Lord would want it that way. Give me that sweet sensation of a throbbing rationalization. It's just between you and me. Because everyone knows it's the sex that God can't see. Oh, God. Yeah. Or this verse. Um, Whatever you do, don't touch my clitoris. If you ring Satan's doorbell, God can't ignore this. And no prophylactics when you put it in because birth controls for sluts and it's a sin. Uh, another verse. I made a pact to keep my hymen intact, and Jesus and I are tight. All right, so let's just break down some of the conceptions the two girls, Garfunkel and Oates, are poking fun at. Yeah, I mean, in the first verse, they're talking about engaging in anal sex as a way to bypass the Christian belief of no sex before marriage. Of course, sex here is conceptualized as penis and vagina sex, since going through the back door is sex that God can't see or actually sex that can't be proven via a broken hymen or a potential pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, just going off of the fact that the, in this song they stress that anal sex has no risks of you know anyone getting pregnant, um, there's a line they say, we can't procreate if we anally copulate. And also, simultaneously, they say that birth control is for sluts and condoms and protection are a sin. I just want to take a minute to discuss the ramifications of this kind of thinking. You know, this song is meant to be a parody, but the scary thing is that real people today actually think that way. People think if they're doing just anal sex or... Pretty much anything other than penis and vagina sex, suddenly there are no risks associated that STIs and pregnancies mm -hmm. are altogether avoided. Now, this is not everyone, but a lot of people still think this way. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this leads to young people engaging in unsafe and probably unpleasurable anal oh sex, God, right? I can imagine. You know, some people haven't had penis and vagina sex, but... They've had other kinds of sex and they probably don't see themselves as virgins. You know, there are lesbian, gay, bisexual, pansexual people who may never have penis and vagina sex at all, but they probably don't see themselves as virgins 
just because of that. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think it helps that traditional conceptions of virginity is tied to the hymen. As Garfunkel and Oates touch on, as long as the hymen is intact, your virtue as a Christian or more broadly as a woman is also whole. This is often the source of misunderstanding when it comes to virginity. Yeah, and I just want to know why and how it became, because I don't think the Bible says, you know, about anything about the hymen in a scientific sort of way. And I, I just wonder how we got to this point where all these poor girls who have taken vows of purity are not having sex and they're virgins, but they're just letting their boyfriends go through the back door. Yeah, actually, what's funny is, well, it's not funny, but I read this really great book. It's called Come As You Are by Emily uh, Nagoski. Yes, great book. Highly yeah, recommend. For sure. And, you know, and yet she has this little section about the hymen, or I think she calls it the hymen truths or something. And she talks about how cultures from all over the world, um, you know, including Western culture, they've created this very strong narrative surrounding the hymen and what it means and the sort of like purity and, and sanctity around the hymen and and it's a method of controlling women essentially. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's so unfortunate that even today, in most places in the world, the hymen is still regarded as the definitive physical attribute to a virgin. Yeah, for sure. Um, another sort of personal anecdote our mom recounted this story to me about the moment she got her period. She was, I think, in grade six, she said. And she came home one day and she looked in her underwear to find blood. Now, remember, our mom never had sex ed and she grew up in Indonesia where sex and puberty and the sexual body was avoided as a topic. So... She came home, found blood in her underwear, and had no idea what was going on. She, oddly enough, though, told me that her first thoughts were, oh my god, I lost my virginity. Now, isn't that funny? Like, she didn't have any sex ed, no one told her about her period, but because she grew up in a religious household, she knew somehow that losing your virginity meant, you know, a bit of blood. Hmm. So she thought... You know, she got her period, but actually in her mind, because no one told her that it was her period, she thought she had lost her virginity because she had broken her hymen. Yeah, and, you know, many people are taught that you're not a virgin if your hymen is stretched open or broken, but having a hymen and being a virgin are not the same thing Definitely at all. Mm -hmm. Some people are born with hymens that are naturally open and many other activities besides sex can stretch or, you know, break your hymen. Like, I think simply riding your bike or something can yeah, break yeah. your hymen, like Definitely. riding a horse or something. Riding yeah. a horse, doing gymnastics, yeah. any, you know, some women's hymens break, you know, uh, various yeah, yeah exactly. for sure and so you know you can't really tell if someone is a virgin by the way their hymen looks or feels i agree and again it's outrageous but so many places in the world today still practice um blood or sheet ceremonies and essentially these are virginity tests where 
the father of the bride, or the new in-laws, will look at the bedsheets of the newlywed couple on the morning after their wedding night. So they go into the bedroom and they look for blood on the sheets, which apparently demonstrates that the hymen was broken for the first time and therefore it is proof of the bride's virginity. And in some cultures, this sheet is actually displayed for all wedding guests to see. Amen. Yeah, so of course there's a downside to this because it's a test, so there is that risk that you might fail. Um, and so there is a punishment and... Of course, there, it varies depending on the culture, but at the extreme end of the spectrum, corporal punishment or even death may result from failing this virginity test. Yeah, and this is actually really scary to think about. You know, I'm thinking about my first time and I'm like, I don't even know if I bled yeah. enough to like soil a sheet. Exactly. Well, I don't think, you know... Not I'm, soiling, <laughs> but like, I mean like... To, to even stain. To stain. Yeah, like, exactly. It was very little... Or yeah. not at all. I can't. Definitely yeah. not in the amount that I imagine mm. having to like, yeah, stain a little. Yeah, or exactly. Something. You know, because you're displaying this thing. So it'd have to be quite. Yeah. Prominent, everyone's you know, out yeah, there with their, exactly. You know, magnifying glass or something. or something. Yeah. And, you know, and these ceremonies have had such a long history, not just with Islamic cultures, but also Christian Western cultures. For example, during the Middle Ages, societies really stressed the importance of having a legitimate heir to the throne or family fortune. This created a need for families to guarantee the paternity of their children. So women were often examined by midwives to verify the state of their hymen. And the sheets of a newlywed couple were inspected for blood the morning after the wedding night. Yeah, again, so it's not just a isolated you know, weird culture incident at one point or another, even, you know, Western culture had this ceremony and adopted this test for mm. women. Um, but, you know, we kind of think, oh, the, these stories are from a long time ago and this, we're in 2018, this cannot possibly still occur in the world. But not too long ago, a couple, I think it was 2015, I'd say, mm -hmm. I was in Morocco, in Marrakesh, and I met a very kind and very funny vendor at the, at the souk. And um, he had a stand, well, not a stand, an actual store, I guess, in the souk. Mm -hmm. And he sold beautiful scarves, carpets, and fabrics. And we were talking, I was buying a ton of gifts for everyone. I think I was buying like 15 scarves or something. And because I was taking so long to pick out the scarves, you know, we, we struck up a conversation and he was just kind of showing me all the different things he had in the store. And out of the vast piles of materials, he pulled out some intricately decorated white fabric. And I was like, wow. You know, very beautiful, had like beads and lace and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, is it for the couch or something? Like a decorative, I don't know. Like a throw or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he explained to me that, no, it was actually a special wedding night bed sheet that his Muslim customers would buy and use for wedding nights. 
he explained to me that, you know, because the woman was supposed to bleed on the sheet, the idea was that you would keep the soiled bed sheet as a token, a souvenir, if you will, of your wedding night. And of course, hopefully as proof that your wife was indeed a virgin before the consummation of the marriage. Right, okay. So obviously people all over the world are grossly overvaluing the hymen as a physical sign of virginity. But let's just like stop for a second and let's talk about what the hymen actually is. Yes, good idea. So a hymen is a thin membrane along the lower edge of your vaginal opening. It can heal when broken Its size varies, and it can actually become more flexible over time. The hymen really has no biological function, but culture has made it to mean purity and innocence. Mm. So we've created, as you said, from Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, society has really prized this dud of a physiological state and attached all these grand moral values onto it. And um, the result is that people, women, are ashamed for not having one and not, yeah, not having one and not being able to prove that they are a virgin. Yeah, and, you know, talking about that, it's really funny because we prize this bleeding so much, right? Like, you need to bleed when if you're a virgin, you bleed. But fun fact is that, you know, bleeding during first penetration is not really from your hymen breaking. It's actually just due to vaginal tearing, um, usually from a lack of lubrication, especially since, you know, during your first time, you're probably going to be a bit more tense. Mm -hmm. You're going to be very nervous. You're going to be, you know, stressed out thinking about this, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to me? What's going on? And, you know, when you're, you're when your body's tense like that, sex is probably it's natural. It's not. Muscle. Your vagina yeah. tense up too. Exactly. Your mm-hmm. vagina tenses up and you see you're not going to enjoy the sex and leads to pain and bleeding. Yeah, but it's so crazy. You know, you hear all about the crazy surgeons. Um, and again, it's in Muslim countries that this usually happens in because they still really test for it. But the surgical procedures Mm -hmm. that women go undergo because they want to make sure that their hymen is intact when they're in examined yeah and i think were we going through forums or something and how some women were talking about yeah i came across like some cookie like webmd.com but based in india and It was just crazy. I was pouring through all these things. You know, some men would go on the forum asking these doctors, who knows how legit they are, but, you know, who knows how legit MD is. Um, They were asking the doctors things like, oh, um, my girlfriend, you know, didn't bleed during the first Mm -hmm. time. What happened? Or another guy who asked, oh, my girlfriend and I have just had sex for the first time, and now she's got... Uh, stomach cramps and it's been four days and doctors responding to these queries with things like oh um we need to examine her it could probably just be to the hymen rupturing and 
you know, you kind of choke and you're like, oh, I know this is probably a fake forum and I hope to God people don't take this stuff seriously. But that's me coming from my sort of informed position, knowing that the hymen isn't a real sign of virginity. But these people take you know, th- these are supposed doctors yeah, online. Yeah, of course, there's legitimacy there, right? Yeah, they exactly. say they are Dr. Smith. Like, of course, people will be like, oh, this Dr. Smith said Yeah, even whatever. if it's from a, you know, WebMD type farm. Like, how many of us go on WebMD and still think, oh, my God, I have cancer? You know, it's, yeah. you have, it's that legitimacy of a health professional telling you that this is what it is. And mm-hmm. the hymen rupturing is a sign of your wife or girlfriend being a virgin or not yeah for sure and you know i don't want to um digress too much but it's i think really interesting that the hymen is really a a female thing it's very much attached to women you know we don't talk about men men. (laughs) like what are they breaking i don't know do they don't have a hymen that breaks upon i don't know first time you know for them it's just fine actually yeah of course and this goes back to that you know there's a double standard Mm -hmm. that you know and you mentioned in emily nagoski's book come as you are she talks about this glorification of the hymen as a means to control women and to how do you how do you put it like it's like a another element and like like a tag, like a feature, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Oh, she's defective because her hymen's broken. Yeah, so like she's lesser some, than yeah, the rest of... Yeah, it's like of, an element yeah. of an object. Yeah, for sure. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's a way also, I think, yeah, to control the population. And actually, you know, if I find out your hymen is broken and mine is intact or whatever, it kind of gives us this distance. Like I can physically say, I'm not like you. Exactly. Or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, that obviously feeds into a very corrosive type of relationship with other women definitely you know there's a sort of idea that some women are better than others because their hymen it's intact because it means they're virgin they're pure pure, innocent yeah exactly but yeah it's just but again as we see like there are women who may keep their hymens intact by you know yeah performing anal sex or oral sex instead but I think this is such a complicated question and this is something that obviously a lack of comprehensive sex ed it's this is a result of that yeah for sure you know there's no safety and like you can really hurt yourself if you don't perform proper anal sex like if you don't have lubrication at hand Mm -hmm. and like you should still use a condom because you can still get a lot of nasty infections from anal sex yeah of course and i don't know i think it's really dangerous as well you know thinking about it like this um this sort of like loophole or like yeah like as the sex that god can't see yeah and therefore we don't have to take any precautions and i don't know i think that sort of thinking is really detrimental and really sort of narrow-minded and really ill-informed definitely um so i thought we would take this time and you know turn to you turn to your uh, first time 
virginity was not something to be necessarily ashamed of, but I knew that when talking about sex with friends and other people my age, my virginity was an elephant in the room, except it was only visible to me. Um, I found myself evading the question, you know, when where when I would be out with friends at a bar or, you know, in high school when we're at a sleepover or getting together, playing truth or dare or never have I ever. Um, during those moments, you know, sex would come up. Mm-hmm, Questions about your first time, how was it, who was it with, those things would always come up. And I just sort of chose to evade the question, especially, you know, after high school. Um, I think during high school, I wasn't so shy about it because I knew that a lot of my friends were also virgins. And so, you know, me admitting to my own virginity wasn't seen as strange. But then, you know, I turned 19, then 20, then 21. And I was still a virgin. And you know, going out with friends and, you know, no one, you know, that topic of virginity, it's not like somebody comes up to you and goes, are you still a virgin? But, you know, sometimes when, you know, you have a little bit too much to drink or you're in a group of friends and we play these silly games. You start sharing things. Yeah. You start asking about yeah. your experiences. Yeah, exactly. And for me, um, whenever that question would come up, I just sort of chose not to answer it. And part of it was... Maybe out of shame, but I, I can't really say it was out of shame because I was okay with being a virgin. I, you know, didn't really prioritize having sex. Yes, you know, I was attracted to men and, you know, I had uh, sexual urges. Um, but I don't know, like losing my virginity wasn't something I prioritize or saw as necessary does that make sense like yeah yeah and I think a lot of it was also I was trying to deal with you know these old sort of um traumas or contradictions about my own body that I you know I picked up from very early on you know in the first episode we talked about how um hitting puberty early in like what grade grade three um suddenly my body became very sexualized and I learned to shame my body from a very young age. And, you know, like from grade three until I was basically 20, I carried that sort of shame and I didn't know how to how to hold my body and like really appreciate my body and being able to own it. And so I think having that sort of carrying that, you know, old shame prevented me in some ways from thinking about losing my virginity or even prioritizing it because I just didn't I wasn't even thinking about it that's really interesting because I think you know most high schoolers have the opposite experience at least in you know from my own experience in high school everyone just couldn't wait to get rid of it Mm. seemed when it came time to um, but, you know, obviously, like you say, you weren't asexual because you masturbated quite yeah, often. Yeah. You were attracted to men. But, yeah, like, what, what do you think, 
was it just a religious thing and the sort of shame of your body that you grew into your body outgrew your own sort of capability mentally to think about yourself and as a woman like your body became a woman much earlier than you became a woman Mm. okay yeah that's interesting um I don't know like Maybe um, certain aspects, surely, like maybe in that aspect of wanting sex with someone else what, um, in that way. But I think, you know, I, I, as you said, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't um, completely, you know, innocent, let's say. I, I, I masturbated and I, you know, I, I was sexually attracted to men, but I just never felt the need to act upon my desire, my attraction towards men. And, you know, like, it's really difficult because I think, you know, um, given our childhood, I think, yes, we, you know, we grew up in the same household, but we had very different experiences of the same events. And, you know, sometimes people would ask me like, yeah, you know, don't you get horny? And I think it was you, like, a few times you kind of uh, perhaps jokingly were like, yeah, you were kind of asexual, or something remember like and you know I, I don't I'm not like saying like oh my god you blamed me you said I was asexual oh my god how could you say that it's not even that but um you know people would say that to me and I yeah because I guess outwardly you really didn't show any interest in sexual activity mm-hmm. it was a long time before we even you know realized you were attracted to men yeah, or attracted to like other hu- other human beings. <laughs> yeah, at I, all. I was really good at hiding that. I yeah. think I I I think I just I had you know I didn't know how to communicate those things with the family, with my own sisters, with you, um, with mom. So I just I was really good at hiding those things, and you know it's funny because some of my close friends actually. Um, tell me how boy crazy I was and I I don't think I was but you know according to them you were according to them I was yeah and and I am still apparently and it's really funny that I think you know my family had one view of me and my friends saw a completely different side of me and I think it's sort of has something to do with the fact that we we didn't have we know we we didn't really grow up in a very open communicative family mm-hmm. um we talked a lot for sure but there were certain topics as you said in the last episode that we sort of hushed and I think you know that included for me at least any crushes any sexual attraction to males or any even like I would I you know I went on dates sometimes and I wouldn't tell anybody because I just didn't know how to bring that up and I didn't want to bring them that up bring that up because I was slightly embarrassed, but also I just didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because you were the, you know, the third of the three girls. And um, me and Jessica, our older sister, always had boys around us and were outwardly, mm-hmm. very openly, um, more sexual, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was uh, a thing we we didn't talk about sex but you know we talked about boys that we liked we talked about cute boys all the time um i don't know 
for me at least I found I had a somewhat um, of this kind of relationship with our older sister Jessica where you know she did tell me about boys cute boys and I would tell her about certain boys too but it's interesting that you know then to have you feeling that even to the sisters you couldn't talk to us about yeah and I think a lot of it was you know when I was growing when I was younger I just remember like I got made fun a lot I got made fun does that make sense yeah I got made fun of a lot um yeah I guess being the baby yeah being like the youngest out of you three you know I mean Mm -hmm. us three um and anytime I brought up a boy I think it was you know there'd be some snide comments here and there. And I don't like, I'm not, I don't hold that against you guys. It's, you know, whatever. We were kids. But I think that sort of, you know, I was already carrying a lot of shame about my body. And then to bring up the topic of boys and then also be laughed at for it, Mm. I think kind of traumatized me and quieted me even more to the point where I just didn't want to talk about it. Mm Mm-hmm. You just prefer to hide this whole side of you from us because you felt you couldn't bear any more um, shame or being laughed at, I I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, you know, I thought that if I brought up boys to our mom, then it would be like some trigger for, you know, um, some like yeah trigger and that like oh she, she maybe she's starting to have sex and because your body was overly yeah sexual, exa- exactly and you know clearly maybe, your insides were too exactly and you know i i just didn't want to go through that i was just like i know what's gonna happen you know i i had some kind of foresight maybe that was like okay if i bring this up this is this might happen better just keep it quiet so i didn't bring that up with my our mom and then with you guys it was yeah it was just i guess i just felt like I couldn't bear to be um laughed at for that Mm -hmm. so I kind of just didn't bother and you know like and then that was when we were very young and then you know growing older I just I had a lot of personal things to work through I was you know um we had a really rough childhood teenage years um with our family going through sort of family traumas and things and it's a lot of instability a lot of instability exactly and I think I was still working through a lot of that a lot of that instability a lot of that hurt and frustration and anger that I kind of pushed everything else to the side yeah I suppose you know at the time when you're supposed to be having fun and enjoying yourself you were you know, not just you, but we were all hit with this mm-hmm. instability from the family and from our home being kind of turned upside down. And um, I was a little, you know, I was I'm two years older than you. So for me, that period, I was, I was already not a virgin at that time. I was 16 when all of this kind of great instability in our family life took place, whereas you were still 14. Yeah which should have been the age when you started exploring and yeah and I I guess I didn't really get a chance to do that because during that age yeah 14 as you say I was then sort of 
made to grow up in other ways. Mm-hmm. You know, when 14-year-olds are having fun, they're maybe trying drinking for the first time, having their first kiss. I didn't really get the chance to do that. I was, you know... You're too busy being an adult. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so to have missed that boat and then, you know, come out of all that familial instability and then realize, oh, my God, like I just missed four years of development, mm-hmm. you know, like of like, pro- I don't know, childhood development or whatever. Like all my friends had their first kisses and I never did. Yeah, these rites of passage, I suppose. Yeah, yeah that I missed. Rites of passage. Exactly, because I just bypassed it because I essentially became mentally, I became like 30, you know, yeah. from 14 to 30. But then physically I was still, you know, I went from 14 and then to 18 and then suddenly realizing I didn't go through all these like normal rites of passage. Yeah, and I guess going back to what you said earlier that you never thought about losing your virginity that much, it would make sense because you were just emotionally inundated with a whole lot of other things so that your sexual um, desire and wants and needs just took a back seat. You didn't have space to hold all of that. Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, like... Then I, you know, turned 20 and then friends, you know, inevitably they all started losing their own virginity. And exactly when we would get together and talk about it, I would then just not have the vocabulary to talk about it with them. Because, you know, how do you explain to somebody that your virginity is sort of this complicated, like, jumble of things that aren't isn't just tied to your sexual self, but it's also tied to, you know, like your emotional self, your, mm-hmm. even your, I don't know, like intellectual self perhaps, but like, it's just tied with a lot of parts of you that, you know, if one area of your life is unstable or is stressing you, oh, I don't think you'd focus on losing your virginity or you exactly. know, having sex. I mean, some people are, you know, they get stressed out and all they want to do is just have sex yeah, and they're stressed out. for but sure. For you specifically it seems like that was not the case instead of you know just having sex with any person you met you really took an inwardly sort of uh, stance and your sexuality took a back seat while all of this childhood um, drama I guess was unfolding and happening and I definitely understand that but you know how how did you navigate with your friends and at parties and things? If these topics do come up, would you just calmly leave the circle and join another discussion group? Or would you, you know, sit there and fake laugh? Yeah, it, definitely. It was fake laugh. But it's funny because um, a few, you know, a few of my friends, I would actually be upfront with them. Um, even some strangers, I'd be very upfront with them and tell them, no, I'm still a virgin. I haven't even had my first kiss. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny because then immediately their reactions are always like, ah, you're lying to me. Mm -hmm. And um, actually a close guy friend of mine, um, he, we were talking about this because he knew I was a virgin and I didn't have my first kiss then. And he was just like, it's so, it's such a weird thing to be in your presence 
I don't I don't know what, if he said this, but it, it was somewhere along those lines, mm-hmm. like to be in your presence, to hear you talk and to be able to talk to you about sex so openly. And then I know that you're actually a virgin. Yeah. Not that, it, you know, not that it was like, oh, you can't talk about sex with virgins. But I think, you know, so you're maybe so confident. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I would engage in sexual banter and I had a lot of sex jokes and I, I have mm. like a very dirty mind I think like so I think that adds to this sort of layer where people assume that I'm not a virgin but then then when I say that it's like when I do reveal that I'm a virgin it's like whoa what Mm -hmm. um yeah you know I never I never shied away from talking about sex and you know laughing about sex and engaging in these sexual innuendos and things yeah um I love those were like not your own experiences you would just yeah, you know, it's like very vague. Yeah, and exactly. Ironic, sarcastic exactly. jokes. So I think that's actually how I evaded that question. You just become like make a comment in a yeah, and people are way people and, are very, you know, they like talking about themselves, right? So it's very you just easy. refocus. The yeah, it's very easy to refocus mm-hmm. a conversation, and they'll spill their guts to you, and that was my way of sort of not answering the question if I didn't want to. Again, I said I would answer the very plainly and straightly to some people, but to others that maybe I just didn't get a good vibe off or just like didn't uh, want to have like, to like talk about owe this. Them an explanation exactly. About I just your sort of or anything. evaded. And you know, I'm not ashamed. I wasn't ashamed of my virginity and admitting to my, you know, losing my virginity at twenty one is not something I'm ashamed of, but I think it was very difficult to bring that up with certain people and it's still very difficult to bring that up with people because you as I said even with my friend who was very shocked and after a while you know you just don't want to have to explain this whole story to people because they ask why why did you wait that long right it's like your virginity is just this thing that like you can just get rid of at any yeah. moment in time like it's a burden yeah. or something you know but exactly so maybe if if you're looking at your virginity as a burden then you'd obviously want to shed it as fast as possible mm-hmm. but for me it was just you know i i i saw it as okay yeah i haven't had sex but that doesn't make me a good or bad person it doesn't make me funnier or less funny it doesn't make me smarter it doesn't make you know it's just something so like you're behind or not behind yeah, for your age exactly yeah. and so you know for me i was just kind of okay with having it i'm not not losing it i guess and you know if the time came that i would lose it then fine but if it didn't come for a long time i also wasn't so worried about that and i was surrounded with a lot of people you know some of my closest friends also remained a virgin remained virgins for quite a long time okay well in that sense i guess you had a support yeah not that you needed a support group for you know remaining a virgin but i find you know if your top five friends are all very outwardly sexual and stuff i can imagine it would have been very difficult Mm -hmm. yeah you would be sitting here telling me a different story oh yeah for sure um but luckily you know a lot of my friends even if you know, my one of my best friends, I knew she lost her virginity much earlier than I did. But there was never this sort of pressure from her. And we would talk so about just her. do it. Georgia, yeah. Do it. Yeah. There was not that. Like, <laughs> just lose it. Yeah. You know, we would actually come together and she would tell me about her experiences. And then we would sort of debrief. And, you know, she would 
she was very open about it with me and you know she knew I was a virgin but was still okay with sharing these experiences with me and and talking about it you know in a very sort of like okay like this is what happened why do you think this happened like this you know like like she still had trust in you as a friend and yeah. like the fact that you were a virgin didn't detract from the fact that you guys were close, close friends. friends yeah and you know she she would look to me for advice and mm-hmm. you know I had no I wasn't a doctor I'm not a doctor still but like I had no scientific or health knowledge and all of this but I think it gave her a forum to sort of talk about this in a safe space Mm -hmm. and you know we would google things and then we would talk about it like okay this is maybe why and talk about you know our knowledge because even you know even though I was a virgin I you were still willing and open to talk yeah and I was also very curious to like health wise you know Mm -hmm. I was still a woman and I still you know and we would talk about you know vaginal bleeding and you know mismenstruation and things like that things Mm -hmm. that happen to women can you Tell me if there was ever an instance where somebody made you feel uncomfortable about the fact that you were still a virgin at 20, 21. Like a specific instance, maybe somebody you'd met or um, a conversation at a party or something like that. If anyone ever put you on the spot and then sort of ask those weird questions that, you know, are quite... uh, pointed or something i don't know about my virgin yeah Yeah. funnily enough like i'm like trying to go through that and like think about that but i don't not really i mean like in high school when some of my friends were losing their virginities definitely there was a bit of a pressure there and they would sort of make snide comments about me but at that time i was like I just didn't care. I was like too caught up in my own emotional instability and Mm -hmm. like trying to like work out some other stuff with myself that those side comments, I was just like, I've done with, I've dealt with worse. Like give me your best shot type of thing, you know? So to me, it kind of went over my head. And then, you know, afterwards, not really. I think, I think, I think um, if anything, I had a very good sort of persona Yeah, because like you said, you were able to keep up with the sexual innuendo and people saw that you're obviously comfortable in your sexuality in many ways. Yeah, exactly. And so I, so many people just didn't confront me or ask me any questions after that. Yeah. So, and you know, it's, it was something that, I wasn't constantly thinking about either, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, from whatever, let's say 15 to 21, I wasn't sitting there thinking about losing my virginity, as I said, to be honest, like, I just didn't think about it because I think I was afraid that ultimately if I did, there would be some like, I would basically unlock some internal contradictions in me, some some internal conflict, um, religious conflicts, actually, that would suddenly come up and I would just be so overwhelmed with, with these sort of um, questions of my faith, about God, about my purity, that then my virginity also then took on this very, like... Big, monstrous thing. Yeah, because I was afraid that if... I thought about it more. The the more I thought about it, I was afraid that, okay, 
do I actually believe in this whole, you know, sex before, no sex before marriage, staying pure? Is that even a thing? But then also I was afraid that if I had lost my virginity, that I would somehow stop believing in God or like that basically I would burn out in hell the next day. I mean, it's something, as we said in previous episode, it's something that we were brought up in and that was our environment, this very religious um everything had a religious meaning and our lives were steeped in it Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. understandably you felt that way Mm -hmm. but so tell me when you did finally lose your virginity what happened how did it happen (laughs) and what what happened yeah (laughs) it was um it was to this guy that you know i was living in sweden at this time and it's to this guy you're 21 yeah i was 21 um I just turned 21, actually. Mm-hmm. Was it like your birthday party or something? No, no, it wasn't my birthday party. It was like, I think a week or two after. Uh-huh. Um, but I've, I met this guy very early on, like the year before. So I was 20 when I met him. And, um, you know, he was sweet. He, we talked a little bit. We flirted here and there. Then he was AWOL and I was just, you know, doing my own thing. And then somehow we met up again and decided to like go for a drink or something. Mm-hmm. Like and a little date, not it wasn't at a party that you no, met no, no, it wasn't at a party. We actually went like just to go get drinks, yeah, oh, to okay. go get drinks together. And you know, I actually came there very drunk to to the, meet him, oh, okay, because my friends wanted to go out, and <laughs> for some weird reason, I decided to invite them over for pre drinks at mine. So, anyways, like long great idea, yeah. And then so I was like, I'm not drinking tonight, but obviously, your friends are all drinking. Um, but luckily, like somehow I, from the moment I left my house to go to the date, I sobered up very quickly. Mm -hmm. It was very cold or like, or something like it was June, but it was like, you know, you sober up because you, you you're like, oh my God, I'm going on this date. Yeah. And you're getting nervous. And then suddenly like you're sober. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I went to this date, we chatted, we had drinks and, um, yeah, and then he walked me back to my place, and I remember thinking, actually, it was like maybe a 15-minute walk from the bar to my place, and I thought to myself, as soon as he leaves, I'm going to go back to the club my friends were at and just, like, party with them, right? Because right. it was like, still really early. I think he had to leave because we had to end the night, the date early because he had, like, a like an early morning hiking trip or a camping trip he had to mm-hmm. go to. So I think we, like really wrapped up the day at like 11 o'clock or something it's really early so i was like i'm not gonna go home yet Mm -hmm. i still want to have fun so i was like i'm gonna go go clubbing with my friends um but he walked me back to my place and you know he we were like saying our goodbyes and i kind of realized like oh actually i don't know when i would see him again because we were also ending our exchange year exchange in sweden right yeah Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, bye. And then I think I hugged him three times or something. And then finally he just kissed me. Okay. And I was like, whoa, okay, hello. And then I found myself returning the kiss. And then I remember then um, hearing myself say, hey, I live like right there. Do you want to come back to mine? Just like casually as if I've done this like 20 million times or something. But you had not planned to lose your virginity to this guy. No, no, no. no. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. But in the moment it felt right. Mm-hmm. It felt completely natural to ask him this, and I wasn't. I did, after asking him that, I kind of caught myself. I'm like, "What are you doing? No, 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 no! Whoa, 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 whoa. hold back, <laughs> this girl! Is your first time. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But then, you know, yeah, I took him back to mine. We had sex, and was it weird and awkward, or like? No, it was actually 
Okay, like well, it wasn't sure that was he was he was not a virgin. No, at that point, no, he was older so. as well, so definitely not. But you know, he he was nice and it was nice, but it wasn't like rainbows and shooting stars or anything. No. <laughs> um, but it was it wasn't like a horrible experience either. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say it was one of those awkward like movie experiences. You know, like oh, like oh, I don't know what to do here. Like mm-hmm. I kind of did know what to do. Anyway, so. He left, I think, in the middle of the night because of the camping trip. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sleep alone. And, you know, I think, you know, after he left, I kind of just like, okay, I'm still me. I'm still in one piece. I'm suddenly not like, you know, toiling in religious battles or something. No, no, no. Like, like the earth didn't crack open. Exactly. And God like I didn't start. Yeah. Like nothing start. you know, nothing lit on fire. Satan mm-hmm. did knock on my door. Um, and it, I don't know. It just felt like, okay. So this was obviously like still in the middle of the night you were awake, but did you manage to sleep well after, you know, like all these thoughts obviously were going through your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Actually, the only thing that kept me from sleeping was um, sunrise was like 4 a.m. then in Sweden. So I think I stayed up all night, not because I was like all these thoughts or anything, but it was more like, okay, the sun is up. And and then because I saw that the sun was up, then my brain started like thinking even more. Right. and yeah, I think I actually texted you right away. Yeah, you did. I, I did. remember. Actually, yeah. I remember. I think, I think it was just like, right yeah, after, I think I it like, what? Yeah. You lost your virginity? Yeah. When? How? To whom? Yeah. And it was, you know, and there was nothing to tell. It was just, it all just sort of fit. Mm-hmm. And I was ready. I was, I mean, I don't know if I was ready, but like. You had been thinking about it or not, or trying not to think about it for so many years. I think maybe. You just wanted to, yeah. at that point, I guess, in a way, to you at least, your virginity was more of like this b- heavy thing that you just needed to break off in order to... Yeah, to finally sort of get past that and yeah, like enter a exactly. new chapter, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know... So you obviously weren't freaking out about it. You hadn't pre-planned no, everything. No. You were just, this felt right. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, like... And the guy, he was a nice guy and, you know, there was nothing and I liked him and mm-hmm. I was attracted to him. And and I think he was the first guy that perhaps I felt comfortable with in that way. Right. And then so when everything else happened, I was just like, yeah, it's OK. Like this is I want this to happen. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have any second thoughts. You know, you know, it wasn't one of those things like mid act. I was like, oh, my God, get off me. Like, right, what right. am I doing? That's another thing. I was. Yeah. Thinking. Yeah. It wasn't like that at all. It was just like all right, like, this is a new experience. I don't know how to feel about this. It's not going badly. It's not, like, um, again, I said it wasn't amazing, mm-hmm. but, yeah, so I just kept at it, I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to ask to go back to something you'd said when you were still a virgin and you avoided talking about it, you avoided thinking about it too much one of the main reasons you said was because you were afraid that this would unleash deep contradictions in yourself about Mm. your own spirituality and your own beliefs did that change for you after you lost your virginity were you suddenly like oh god i'm now an atheist i no longer believe (laughs) in god because i'm no longer a virgin yeah um 
No, I think actually it was good that I lost my virginity, to be honest. Like, I think if I had kept it any longer, again, I'm not, I wasn't ashamed of it. I, but I think if I did for me personally, that would have been worsened. That sort of like religious break. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the guilt. And then also like this like religious turmoil because I just didn't, I didn't know what would await me on the other side. And I think as if, yeah, exactly, Exactly, right? Like I I was afraid that, that like losing my virginity would mark something like an abandonment to God of God or, you know, or of my spiritual self or of all of everything I was taught. And I think I was afraid that might happen. And again, I said, I was afraid that it would also unlock some religious battle and I wasn't ready to confront that. So when I lost my virginity, and none of that happened. There was a sense of peace and calm in me, and and sort of this reconciliation, reconciliation with myself, understanding that I could take pleasure in my body and and give and receive pleasure, um, but not feel ashamed and not feel guilty mm-hmm. for having for having had sex or having the ability to give someone pleasure and then being able to accept that same pleasure in return. And that was something that I think I couldn't have learned if I remained a virgin. Mm-hmm. That would have been a big mystery to me. And I think, you know, my post-virgin self was more at, at one with that. And because, again, I said, as we talked about, I was masturbating. So I was mm-hmm. already like I was quite sexual. But I never had, I never lost my virginity. And and I think it was this, like, now both parts of me in a way were reconciled. Like, right. Like, you didn't have to hide this like, exactly. sexual side of you anymore. You didn't exactly. Have to pretend to friends that you were so good at sexual innuendo, but a virgin and, you yeah, know. Yeah, but also, you know masturbated regularly yeah, and yeah, exactly. but you know and also fan, you know and it was it's hard to talk about that with people i think because again we people just think we'll just do it already yeah already like thinking about it all yeah the time and then yeah, like, yeah for sure and so i think i was just able to you know have my post-virgin self i was able to talk about sex a bit more freely um talk about yeah sexuality and and bodies and all of that you know more open and more sort of not tolerant, but more sort of calm, maybe calm and more um, reconciled way. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was really sort of turmoiled on how to approach any of this because I actually didn't think sex and masturbation and pleasure was a bad thing. But there but was at that the same time. There yeah. Was that thing you were fed from. Exactly. Kid, that, the, sort of this religious aspect that I was indoctrinated with as a child that I didn't ever, I wasn't able to work through until I mm-hmm. lost my virginity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jojo, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You know, I've heard it before, but to come again on air and to share it, I think it's really special for you to do that because, you know, the story of our first time is special and Sometimes you might want to keep that to yourself, but you coming on and being brave and being candid about your story means a lot. And I think it just goes to show the bottom line is 
virginity is complicated mm-hmm. and it's really up to you to decide what you believe in. You know, you struggled with the rel- religious background and coming over to terms with it and then finally just losing it at 21 to someone you felt comfortable with mm-hmm. without any prior planning. And I think that shows that kind of growth in yourself and um, yeah, some people don't care what virginity means or think it matters. And some people really, really think it's something they need to keep intact until after marriage. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong way to lose it. You can, it doesn't matter if you know, you're a virgin or not a virgin. And I think the conversation shouldn't be so pointed in that sense. Yeah, for sure. There's no right time, no wrong time. At the end of the day, the most important thing is how you feel about your sexual experiences or your lack of it. Yeah. Ask yourself, are you happy? So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Body Found. These topics are complicated and multifaceted. So stay tuned for the next episode where we continue our discussion around virginity and talk about Regina's experience and also the inherited stories which influenced her perception of her own virginity. See you next time.